Welcome to the Guest Cast, the podcast where we explore guest stories from real people and look at how even the briefest interaction with hospitality whilst traveling can have a profound effect on a guest's whole life. This podcast is brought to you by Touchday Digital Guidebooks. This week, we're taking a look back at some of our favorite travel stories from 2021 with snippets from our guests, such as co-founder of Spark Toro and Moz, Rand Fishkin, HR influencer Gethin Naden, the editor of Behind the Shutter, Alyssa Sincotta, speaker and solutions advocate for the travel industry, Joanna Hagen, and the adventurous travel bloggers, Dave and Deb from Planet D. To listen back to all of our podcasts from 2021, head to touchday.com forward slash podcast. I'm really excited about today's guest. This one, um, she did a 22-day through hike in the Corinthian Mountains in Austria. Yes, as Tyan said, we've got a really interesting guest, Joanna Haugen, who is a writer, speaker, and what I think interesting is a solutions advocate. In the summer of 2018, my partner and I decided to through hike the part through Austria, which is through the Corinthian Mountains, um, 22 days, like I said, about 240 miles. And um, it, we started at stage one and went through stage 22 when it dropped us over the border into Slovenia and the Julian Alps. But along the way, of course, uh, we had 22 sweaty, difficult, uh, you know, affirming, incredible moments on, um, on the trail while we were in Austria. So we started at the base of Grasplachner, which is the highest mountain in Austria, um, in the Corinthian Alps. And uh, each day along, uh, along the way, we walked anywhere from 13 kilometers to about um, 25 kilometers, kind of depended on where we were able to stop for the night um, with varying degrees of difficulty in our hiking. Sometimes we were just walking along the roads. Sometimes we were sharing a farm path with cows. And we stayed this whole um, trip in small um, uh, B&Bs and mountain huts and accommodations that were, you know, you know, no chain hotels. Everything was very small and and very intimate. And um, in this small town, Malmets, we we had breakfast in the morning with the innkeeper, and um, she was this uh, lovely Austrian woman, um, probably in her sixties. And I speak some rusty German. She didn't speak any English. And over breakfast, she was asking us why we liked hiking, why we were hiking. Um, and, you know, I managed to explain, you know, we like to be out in nature. We like to take the time to observe and see the world around us, really appreciate our, you know, physical bodies in this in- incredible world that we live in. She was, she was very patient with me. And, and when, when I got done telling her why we like to hike, I asked her if she likes to hike. And she said to me, oh, no, 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 no. I, I don't like to hike. Somebody has to stay at the inn and take care all, of all of you. And so she was just really sweet, um, making sure that we had, um, you know, some bread and jam and snacks for our day as she sent us off. But she was just, um, you know, it's just one of those moments where you you realize that, you're so far off the map, right? That nobody would really ever be able to find you unless they walked in on this path and out the other way. And you just have these moments of just like intimate connection and conversation with people who are just, you know, going about their day-to-day lives. 
that reminds me of kind of good old fashioned hospitality. Do you think that these days that is lost or do you think that that's something that that is still there? I think it's still there when we talk about small businesses and locally owned accommodations and and businesses. I think that we've lost a lot of that when it comes to big multinational chains um, because I, I guess, you know, the the experience I've had is a lot of the folks working in those kind of places while they enjoy their jobs, maybe, and they, um, they're very kind and helpful. They don't have an intimate connection with the place that they're working at. They could be working at this chain hotel or the one down the beach. Um, but I, I think that the small, locally owned, really cared for and curated um, accommodations, absolutely, that still exists. Today we have Gethin Naden. We had a pre-call with with Gethin just now, and uh, it's very interesting to hear about Gethin's background and experience in the world of HR. The stay that sticks out the most was in a tent in the Sahara Desert with nomads, um, and we didn't know that's how it was going to happen. So we basically did this trip. We'd been around the Atlas Mountains when I was about twenty-four. We'd basically hired a guy in a Land Rover, which cost us something ridiculous, like £10 for four days of driving around. And part of that was a, a camel trek about two or three miles into the Sahara Desert, where nomads would kind of look after us for the evening. And um, we got picked up, but we kind of did this camel ride. We went really far in, and um, they didn't really speak any English at all, and we had pretty broken French, which is what lots of them were speaking. Um, and they just encouraged us to, they kind of made tea for us and um, just told us to sleep. And they encouraged us to sleep outside of the tents that they put up. So you just had a kind of like a, a, almost like a futon type bed. And they were just like, look up at the stars and just don't talk to each other and just, just look up. And he kept, the guy kept saying, relax without facts. Like the only English words he knew was relax without facts, which tells you how long ago it was. Um, and, uh, and we were, and that's what we encouraged to do. And we all kind of fell asleep and, we were woken up by them. We thought there was something wrong. We were woken up by them about four o'clock, four or five o'clock in the morning. Um, and we didn't know what they wanted, but they were telling us to go with them. They were like encouraging us to go with them. And we had no idea well, what they wanted. We thought there was something wrong, like we needed to get away. And they took us at the top of this sand dune and we just sat down there and then they pointed and the, sun, the, the sky had gone like this really bright pink and the sun was just rising. And we were like, oh, they've brought us up here to watch the sunrise they didn't want us to miss the sunrise and we sat there next to these um there was about four of us and these two um these two nomads and one of them had with him a big plastic oil drum and he just turned it upside down and started playing it and started singing and we all looked at each other like this can't be happening like this is the most amazing thing to ever happen to any of us at that point you know as a group of 24 year olds um and uh, he started singing, and I remember one of the girls we were with thought was crying, and we're like, "This is just unbelievable that these that these that these guys didn't have to do this, right? We they pay them their money. We were staying overnight. That's all they had to do. But they thought, look, I I want these people to come and see this as a host. They felt like they could give a better experience and wanted to invest in that. Um, I remember we were just really overwhelmed with it, like all of us were completely overwhelmed with it. And then he passed the oil drum across to me, and I was like, I. <laughs> I don't know. And um, and then one of the other men was like, in his broken English, basically said, play your music. And I was looked at them, the guys I was like, what do I, what do I play? And one of my play friends, Johnny Cash with the, with the drum, can you? Well, close, close enough. One of the girls I was with said, well, you sang King of the Road at karaoke a few months ago. Why didn't you do that? And she was like, I can't sing that. And they're like, he's, he's not going to know the song. It's going to sound like music to him. He's not going to know the song. 
And so, she, yeah, my friend tapped on this oil drum and I sang King of the Road. Um, and then we all kind of hugged these nomads and um, and left. And uh, and I, I think what's really weird is they probably never know. Same as the person that directed me to um, Johnny Cash's Drake, the person who took the ticket at MoMA. They will never know the significant part they played in me achieving that thing that probably in many ways might have changed my life or certainly my perspective on life. It's the art of surprise, though, as well, isn't it? Um, it's not just about um, delivering something that you expect your guests to enjoy, but it's about the surprise that the guest gets when you, you know, come up with something like the sunrise or where Johnny Cash's grave is. or Yeah, it's really, really, really interesting stuff. Um, and it's what I, in my world, when we kind of talk about the employee experience, employee well-being, we're talking about creating a great experience. And a great experience is a collection of very small micro experiences. And so the aggregation of marginal gains means that if people have loads of little really positive experiences, that adds up to one really big experience. And what we always say is that, you know, you shouldn't benchmark your experience with you know, in this context, the next hotel or the next Airbnb, you should think about what is the best experience that I can deliver to somebody. And my competition is only to make sure that this person has a better time staying with me than they stayed at the last person they stayed with. I am really excited about this one for reasons that are um, kind of the, the adventure seeker traveler spirit in me, even though I don't do much of that. Uh, it's Dave and Deb who started a website called The Planet D. We were doing a, a nice, cushy luxury trip with Amazon, international expeditions on the Amazon, where we were seeing the Amazon River for the first time. And uh, we were really excited about this. And uh, four days into the trip, we were as far in and deep into the Amazon as you could get. We were about to turn around a, yep. a day later. We were going out on a walk uh, into the jungle. And I'll never forget this. Uh, there were a lot of people over 70 on the trip because this was one of those like luxury jungle experiences. And I remember we were waiting for one, uh, some of the older people to go to the little portable <laughs> toilet that they, they brought along with us. So while we were standing in the jungle, Dave and I had a long discussion about a piece of gear that he left sitting on the boat. Um, we took this long skiff boat in and he was, uh, we talked and talked and then finally you said, I'm gonna run back and get it while everyone's going to the bathroom, I'll be right back. And the next thing I know, Dave's running back and I hear, the loudest, most organic, gut-wrenching scream I have heard from Dave in my entire life. And uh, the next thing I know, Dave's, uh, I run back to the boat and you can take it from there. Dave had fallen. Yeah, I had what? I wanted to get up. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Uh, I, I, I come back to the, uh, to the boat to get the piece of equipment, like Deb said, and there's two metal steps stepping down onto the skiff boat, the front of the skiff boat. And as I stepped down onto the second step, uh, my foot went out from underneath me. And I had two, I'm a, I'm a travel photographer as well, so I had two cameras on me. So I was holding them, and as I slipped and fell backwards, I actually landed uh, on the metal stairs with my back. Uh, and I knew when I landed, as soon as I landed, that I had done something really bad. You know, that feeling you get when, I don't know if anybody's ever broken any bones or anything like that. You know, when you know that you've done something bad, that's exactly how I felt. And the first thing I did, I remember, is I wiggled my toes, 
you know, to see that I could feel my feet and I could. So I knew that I wasn't paralyzed, uh, but I didn't know what to do. And the, and the, the, the guy in the boat was freaking out. He didn't yeah. know what to do either. You know, we're way down the, the Amazon and now I'm just laying here screaming and I can't move. Yeah. So it ended up that uh, Dave ended up breaking two vertebrae in his back that day. And we were in the middle of the Amazon. And um, luckily for us, it was a very small cruise. There was only about 30 people on it. So when you're on a ship uh, that size, you don't need to have an on-ship doctor. So that was uh, one problem right there. However, there was a retired emergency nurse from the States that was on the ship. And she totally yeah. took charge. And we just thank God for her every day because she, we had these, uh, like I always joke that we were on such a cushy chip trip that they had all of these frozen towels for us to use when we came back from our walk. So she used all the frozen towels to put on Dave's back. She wrapped him up in our cushions from our our seats that we were on and kept him still. And she told me, I think he might've broken his back. So um, while we were sitting in the hot heat of the Amazon waiting for other people to come back, our guides were on the satellite phone. There was no service there. I, I vividly have memories of them driving around up and down the Amazon River with their arms up, uh, with like doing, do I have a signal now? Do I have a signal now? And uh, trying to get a hold of somebody coming in. But the trip to the hospital was pretty uh, intense. intense, to say the least, in that, you know, uh, we had to get a float plane in. So they, they got a float plane from, uh, from somewhere, Iquitos or somewhere that or a small village. To, to, to come out to the Amazon, landed on the Amazon, put me on a boat, uh, all, all still tied to a, like a backboard. And they're trying to load me from a boat into the side of a seaplane in the middle of the Amazon River with the current current going. So Deb is freaking out saying, please don't drop my husband. Yeah, I had you visions know, of him just going because, into the murky Amazon yeah, River. You know, I fall in, I'm not coming back. Uh, they do get me into uh, the plane where they had just taken the seats out. There's two guys in there who um, don't speak English. They only speak Spanish and we don't speak Spanish. So we don't know what's going on. Uh, anyway, they do get me in there. We get up in the air. Yeah, and I remember flying. Uh, I'm laying down on the on the floor of the plane and I can see the Amazon below because there's a crack, couple cracks in the floor of the plane. So I can see the Amazon below and uh, we start to go down. I, I, we get up and we just start to go down. And Dave's like, we're I'm here like, already? oh, we're here already. Thank God. You know, I, I'm, I'm in major pain. It's been a long time since no painkillers. And I was like, oh, and Deb's like, no, no, we're not there's here. A storm. There's a storm. We have to land on the Amazon. So the plane lands on the Amazon and we go over and we basically just sit tied up to a tree and we sit there and wait for the storm to go. In the middle of the river, we're tied up to a tree just sitting there. So anyway, we sat there for another 20 minutes and then took off. You always think something like this can will never happen to you until it does, yeah. you know, and it's such a cliche thing to say of all the crazy adventures I've done in my life of, you know, jumping out of planes, scaling mountains and all this kind of stuff. It was slipping on a stair that uh, that broke my back. You know, it's it's. The other thing that I am hearing is that the tour company had policies and processes in place in case a crisis like this happened. And because they had those policies and processes in place, they're able to better care for you during that crisis. So I think it was a, a huge thing knowing that I had the tour, the, the boat company taking care and they were radioed and met us when we got to Iquitos and having the insurance company. So I think just having all of that, uh, we always, and we're just huge advocates for travel insurance. I don't care what travel insurance you get, just get it, you know, for peace of mind is cheap. This week, we are honored and excited to have Alyssa Sincotta with us. So a few years ago, we traveled to Italy and we did like a five city tour of Italy 
where we did photo shoots in all these cities. So our, our primary focus of this trip was photo shoots. Um, but with that, we don't ever like to stay in hotels when we're traveling internationally because we like to do the Airbnb experience where you kind of unpack and you become a local for a few days. And I wanted kind of like a rustic, typical Tuscan villa. And I happened to find one that was in, it was in Siena on the outskirts of the city. Um, and it was said it was on a winery. So I'm like, maybe there's a winery near it, whatever. So we check in, turns out it's, it's actually in the winery. Like the vineyards are everywhere. It was so beautiful. The rolling Tuscan hills, it was everything and more that you can imagine when it comes to Tuscany. Um, we check in and the guy who met us there, he is a photographer and he followed Sal, um, my now husband, he followed him on Creative Live, which is an educational platform for photographers. Um, he followed him from years ago. So we check in, he was completely starstruck. He walks in and he was like, oh, oh my God, Sal Sincata? And he, had, he it was mind blowing for him. So that was a cool experience, first of all. And so they started talking about photography and he's like, what are you guys doing here? We told him all about our plans for photo shoots. And he goes, tell you what, if you guys let me follow you, just let me come on the shoot. I'll hold the lights, I'll flow, throw a dress. Just let me join you on one of your photo shoots while you're here. I'll give you a private tour of the winery um, before you guys leave. We're like, yeah, done. <laughs> no problem at all. You can be on all our photo shoots if you want. It's that exclusivity of like, if you stay here, we do this for for our guests and it's only available to those guests who stay. So whether that's a private wine experience or whether that's um, maybe like a private guided tour of the city you're in, uh, just that one-on-one -on -one intimate experience is what makes it feel exclusive. And then knowing that you can't go online and buy this off Groupon, like you have to stay and it's something that's available to guests only. Couldn't agree more. There's an there's a industry friend of ours, Matt Landau, who advocates this very thing of having that little bit of limited addition to what you do. And, and the, the impact on someone who comes and stays and then out of nowhere gets this little extra is, well, it's etched and you've said it, you remember it forever. Really excited by this week's guest. It's uh, Rand Fishkin, and for those of you who don't know Rand, I don't know where you've been, because um, <laughs> if you know anything about internet stuff, you ought to know who he is. <laughs> we arrive at this hotel. It's called Hotel Santa Catarina. And the only reason we could afford it is because we are at the very edge of tourist season, and they had some crazy special going before like most of the bars and restaurants and, every and the towns open up. Um, and the, the hotel is just stunning, like beyond beyond anything I can describe to you, just so gorgeous and and perfect. And we drive up and there's a valet, right? The valet introduces himself. I think his name was Vincenzo. So Vin, Vincenzo comes, he, he, you know, he's talking to us. Geraldine shows him, hey, we, we hit a car back there, you know, in the town, da, 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 da. He's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's Italy. Everybody hits everybody. You know, this is, it's bumper cars here, you know, basically. <laughs> Go inside, you know, take a load off, whatever. Geraldine's feeling a little better. I am, I am crazy stressed still. Go to the room. It's, I, I can't describe how beautiful it is. Just uh, most perfect place in, on the whole planet. And um, we decide, okay, well, let's, let's walk into town. We don't want to drive anymore. Let's walk into town. So we walk into town in the afternoon. We walk around this little... Um, I mean, it's a 
you know, it's the biggest city on the coast, but it's still barely a village, um, but it is gorgeous. And then we walk back to our hotel. It's, uh, it's late afternoons, so almost sunset. And we see what, what I thought was our car. Like it's, you know, the, it's an Italian rental car. So it looks exactly like the one that we rented, but there's no more big dent. Like the big dent on the, on the driver's side where, uh, where I smashed into this guy is, is gone. And so we're just walking around the car. Like, is this ours? And we see another one that maybe is ours. We walk over to that one. We're like, no, this is the wrong color. I think it, it, maybe somebody else, maybe the valet, maybe Vincenzo took our car somewhere else. And this is just another one. Vincenzo comes out and he's like, well, you know, he's speaking in Italian, but Geraldine's translating for me. He's like, I couldn't get it perfect, but uh, you know, I used to work in my cousin's shop and, and so I buffed out the dent as best I could. And uh, you know, the, the rental car company, they probably won't notice. We are just like stunned, right? I am, I am stunned. I'm, I'm ready to cry, right? This guy has just made my whole week. And uh, I think I gave him a hug and 40 euros <laughs> as a tip. Um, and so uh, we, you know, we go upstairs, we have the rest of our vacation. It's lovely and wonderful. The, the highways are a damn nightmare. Uh, and we, we drive the car at the end of the week, we drive the car back to Napoli um, airport and we go to the rental car place and, you know, got my heart pounding, like we're returning the car. So the, the, the guys come out from the rental car facility, they, they do a once around, they come back into the, uh, into the place and they say, Scusi, uh, signore, did you hit, did you uh, smash the, the driver, the passenger side, what's that called, um, uh, rear view mirror? I look at him in all honesty, absolutely not. No way. He's like, okay, was well, probably previous customer. Done. No, no sweat. Like the rental car, that was it. They did not notice. Vincenzo's buff job was perfect. They didn't notice at all that the car had been smashed. So we, we fly back to the US and I think it was almost a month later, I get an email from, ciao, this is so-and-so from Amalfi. I believe you are the first person to ever leave a note in Italy. <laughs> like you left a note on my car and you are the first person to ever do so. Um, I love Italy. I love Italians. But, you know, there's kind of a culture of if you can get away with a little thing, you get away with a little thing. Um, and so I think it ended up being something like $1,900 or $1,800 worth of damage to his car. He sent us the receipt from some auto shop uh, in Amalfi. We paid, and that was that. It, it ended up being okay. <laughs> but, but what yeah. incredible hospitality from- I know. From, I what, know. what was his, the valet, what was his name again? I think it was Vincenzo. Vincenzo. Yeah, just yeah. taking it within his, what he had within his power that he knew would make your stay so wonderful. I mean, it, it was. But what yeah. incredible hospitality from. I know. From I what, know. what was his, the valet? What was his name again? I think it was Vincenzo. Vincenzo. Yeah. Just yeah. taking it within his, what he had within his power that he knew would make your stay so wonderful. I mean, it, it was. 
literally the best service I, I can recall ever getting anywhere in my whole life. Uh, and that, that will probably be true uh, for the next 50 years too, because that that's just above and beyond. Maybe you have a travel or hospitality story you'd like to share on the guest cast. If you do, head to touchday.com forward slash podcast and send us a brief outline of your story. And as always, remember to subscribe to the guest cast on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a five-star review and say hello on our social media at Touchday Welcome. This podcast was brought to you by Touchday Digital Guidebooks. Learn more about how Touchday can help make your guests happier at touchday.com.